0: Welcome to The Power of Potential, a podcast hosted and produced by St. Rose High School in Belmar, New Jersey. The show is dedicated to helping parents navigate the world of private education while showcasing the potential of its students, teachers, and alumni. St. Rose High School has been empowering potential since 1923. You're
1: listening to the Power of Potential podcast. My name is Ariana Simon. And I'm Samantha Golden, And today we're hosting from home because of the snowstorm this past weekend. Um, But today's guest is incredibly important. Um, We're having the superintendent of schools come and talk about Catholic Schools Week. And because of that, we thought, well, you know, we have technology. Why not use it? And so today we are doing this all virtually. So, why don't you talk about what Catholic Schools Week is?
0: So, since uh, 1974, National Catholic Schools Week is the annual celebration of Catholic education in the United States, and it starts the last Sunday in January, and it lasts exactly like seven days. So, for 2022, it starts January 30th to February 5th. The theme for National Catholic Schools Week 2022 is Catholic Schools Faith Excellence Service. Leading Catholic schools in the Diocese of Trenton, New Jersey, is our superintendent and guest today, Dr. Vincent DePaul Schmidt. Welcome,
2: Hello. Good to see you both virtually and yes. and great to be here today. Thank you.
1: So why don't we just jump right in and why don't you share a little bit about yourself before you came to the Diocese of Trenton and what you do now in the Diocese of Trenton?
2: I had a very, very odd way of getting here. Uh, I did not start off thinking I was going to be a school superintendent or, or work in schools necessarily. I thought I was going to be a professional tennis player. And I was I played tennis professionally for about this much time. And I coached for a long time as a professional tennis coach. And when I retired, I went back to my grade school where I went in St. Louis, Missouri, and said, hey, I'm retired. Uh, If you guys need any help around the school, uh, tutoring or helping kids learn how to read or something, you know, I I do have a degree. I can do this. Um, Let me know. And they're like, well, we would really like you to teach – junior high, because we can't find any teachers, and we don't have any males on staff, and it would be great if you'd come back, and I'm like, I'm retired. I really don't want to do that. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I don't think I want to be a teacher yet, and prayed about it and prayed about it, and lo and behold, I became a teacher and was a teacher for four or five years, and then they needed help with the administrative tasks, and one thing led to another, and I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> about 30 years later, I'm in New Jersey. But so I'm here why for, did you I'm...
0: dedicate your life to Catholic education? Why did I? Yeah.
2: Well, my name's Vincent DePaul. I mean, you can't have a much more Catholic name than that, right? So my mom said I'd either be a priest or work for the church in some way, and I think, she's, I think she kind of prayed for that as well. Um, at the end of the day, Catholic schools were all that I knew. I never went to school in a public school. Uh, I was raised in a Catholic, very Catholic family uh, where Catholic school was embraced and, and it was an important part of our day. And when I went back to teaching— as, again, kind of didn't know I was going to be back in teaching, but when I went back to teaching, it was just natural that I would gravitate toward that versus gravitate toward something that was unknown like the public school. And I knew the value. My high school is still one of the most important things in my life. Uh, I still go back there all the time when I visit St. Louis to see my old teachers who are still there um, and see my coaches who are still there. And it's it's just that brotherhood and that fraternity, if you will, of being a part of something much bigger than... A typical school. You have there's more to a Catholic school. There's more depth there. It's not just reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's 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 much more, you know, your faith. It's religion. It's how you lived your life. I mean there's you know, when you go to I think a public school sometimes, you know, you're there from eight to three. Catholic schools, you're there from life.
1: Yeah, I think we can both relate to that. I mean, I've been in Catholic school since I was in kindergarten. Sammy, you've been in Catholic school a long time too, right? Since I was also in kindergarten, yeah. Yeah, so we get that, like, idea of fraternity, and it's true, being in Catholic school is a very different environment than public school in a lot of ways, but especially in that we're all very close-knit, and that it's very important to us and our families that we're in a Catholic school, Um, so kind of going off of that, obviously, you said you grew up in St. Louis, so what kind of drew you to New Jersey, away from Missouri, and that...
2: I, I I had some stops before I got to New Jersey. I was the superintendent for the state of West Virginia's Catholic schools. I was the superintendent in Toledo, and also the uh, I helped out in in Detroit as their superintendent uh, with their superintendent. He was actually a student of mine, so I helped him out when I actually took a break a couple of years ago because my wife was real sick. So while I was working with her, I was helping out schools as as like a consultant, and Detroit needed some help on a special project that they were doing. So for, I don't know, maybe nine months, ten months, I worked for them, uh, for the Archdiocese of Detroit, helping them. But when my wife was healthy and we thought we were capable of going back full-time to work, um, I looked at my options, and there was a couple that were available to me. And of all the ones that I had to choose from, New Jersey, I feel, and I still feel, it was the best. And a lot of it has to do uh, with with Bishop O'Connell. Bishop O'Connell is a Vincentian priest, so obviously Vincent de Paul and he, you know, there's a draw, there's a hook there. Um, but when I just first time I met him, he was a very, very different man who has a very different attitude toward his uh, pastoral uh, life and his pastoral job that he does. Yeah. And he's very pastoral, and he's not, um, he's very down to earth, and he and he and he's from education. He was the president of the Catholic U in Washington D.C., so he obviously values education and knows about education. So I wasn't working for somebody that in a previous life was an accountant. You know, this guy knew education and knew what he wanted his schools to look like and be like. And when he offered me an opportunity to help him on his on the journey of making our schools as good as we can make them, uh, I thought, you know, this is, a, this is a pretty good fit for me. So really the draw was him. It wasn't necessarily the state of New Jersey or the cities of the, uh, in the Diocese of Trenton. I, I didn't know them, to be honest with you. But since i've been here i visited all the schools and been in every school and met the students and met the principals and and the priests that work there and it's it's been a wonderful fit and a great opportunity for my family
1: i mean i've talked with bishop o'connell a couple times i toured him around when i was in third grade and i he was so kind and talked to me and the boy that i was touring with and it was he was so kind so i what you're saying I fully agree and I think anyone that's met him can agree with that. I really enjoyed the Bishop's homily. That was very interesting. I think he hit it spot on about why I love coming to Catholic school. So when you look back at the past years as your superintendent, what is the thing that has stuck out to you the most? Out of all the Catholic schools and whatever they've done, what is the thing that really is like the thing you remember?
2: Wow, that's a really good question. It's a tough question. I don't want to eat up a bunch of bandwidth trying to think about it for you because I know you got a bunch more questions, but that's a really good question. (laughs) I think in West Virginia, being able to take the schools that were kind of like islands and not real unified because it it really did cover 55 counties, the whole state uh, that I was responsible for. Here I have four counties, there I had 55. I mean, it's a very, very different vibe, that job versus this job. Uh, And bringing all of those schools together to kind of row the same direction is something I'm very proud of. Um, I think the thing that I'm I'm very hopeful of, if I if I could go that direction, is what I see going on in Catholic schools. I'll give Detroit as an example. On De- Detroit, I'll tell you a very quick story. I'll try to be very quick because I know your bandwidth is short. The schools in, uh, in Detroit on a Wednesday, I, I was responsible directly for 33 schools within the that diocese has like 100 schools. So I had 33 of them, and they're on the south southern part of the diocese. And on Wednesday, I, I visited every school and said, here's the deal. Tomorrow, Thursday, give the students everything you can to take home. Give them everything that could poss- they could possibly need for a long weekend. We're going to shut the schools down on Thursday, after work, after Thursday. Friday, we're going to do a deep clean. Saturday, we're going to do a clean. Sunday, we'll do a deep clean. Hopefully, Monday, we'll be back ready to go. And ready for you know, school to start because we don't know what this virus really is going to do. This was March of, I guess, two years ago. Well, that Monday never came. Kids were virtual the rest of the year. But by Wednesday of that following week, so really less than a week, in a, in a diocese that had 30,000 students, we flipped that entire diocese to virtual. And we're, talk, we're not talking about a real high-dollar diocese. We're, we're talking about Detroit. Detroit's a rough you – know, they've got some rough, rough spots. And between devices and hotspots and all the things we needed to do to get these kids to be able to be virtual, we turned it in less than a week. That to me was really a, 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 a I mean, that was moving a mountain. You know, that was really moving a mountain. I mean, and, and there were some kids who, who didn't have any devices. We got them. There were some that had devices but didn't have Internet ca- capabilities. We, we hooked up the hotspots and got them. So we really did, I, I think, an amazing, amazing amount of work in a very short amount of time and flipped an entire 30,000. like I, I, Really, there's right at 100 schools. And 30,000, I mean, that's an amazing flip in in a short order. So that, to me, speaks volumes about the people in Catholic schools wanting to do whatever they can for their kids, whatever is necessary for the sake of their kids. So those are two past experiences. What I have going on here in, in Trenton, I think, which is, I think, really interesting and really important, is the way that the bishop... WANTS CATHOLIC SCHOOLS TO BE GREAT AND IS WILLING TO SUPPORT THEM AND HAS GIVEN ME THE LATITUDE TO START SOME NEW PROJECTS TO MAKE THAT HAPPEN. FOR INSTANCE, uh, we ANY TEACHER THAT WANTS TO CONTINUE IN THEIR EDUCATION TO GET GREATER DEGREES OR GREATER CERTIFICATIONS, WE CAN HELP THEM DO THAT. Uh, STUDENTS WITH SPECIAL NEEDS, WE CAN HELP THEM DO THAT. WE CAN HELP KIDS WITH SPECIAL NEEDS GET SERVICES IN OUR BUILDINGS. Um, we, have a, WE DID uh, IN THE GRADE SCHOOLS, we, the, ALL THE GRADE SCHOOLS HAD THE OPPORTUNITY TO JOIN uh, ON A PROGRAM CALLED IMAGINE LEARNING WHICH it HELPS KIDS OUT WITH MATH, so, YOU KNOW, WHETHER YOU'RE GREAT AT MATH and, AND ARE PUSHING YOU TO THE high, HIGHEST LEVELS OR WHETHER YOU STRUGGLE IN MATH AND NEED REMEDIATION, THE PROGRAM IS, a, is, is, is REALLY IMPRESSIVE and, AND I WAS ABLE TO BRING THAT TO THE DIOCESE FOR all, ALL THE SCHOOLS, ALL THE ELEMENTARY SCHOOLS. I MEAN, JUST SOME BIG FUNDAMENTAL IMPROVEMENTS, I HOPE, TO THE OVERALL STRUCTURE. And getting, it, it, people say, well, do you want to run the schools all as, as one common school? No, no, I don't want all the schools to be the same. Not every school should be on page 32 of the math book on the third day of school, right? We should, we're not, that's not what we should do. Every school should have their own flavor. St. Rose here is different than Notre Dame. Notre Dame is different than Red Bank. Red Bank's different than Vianney and so forth. So all of the schools, you know, Donovan is, is, is different based on its location and who goes to that school and who the, who the students are. So all the high schools should have a different flavor. But no matter what high school you walk into, you should recognize it as Catholic. And no matter what school you walk into in the Diocese of Trenton, you should recognize it as a school of the Diocese of Trenton, right? So to me, it's very, very important that I kind of what I what I like to say is I, I I'm putting structure in place so we have a big sandbox, and and the sandbox is the Diocese, you know, ideas. What you do in the sandbox with those ideas is completely up to you. So if you know if as long as you don't so long as you, you, you have resources available to you, I think you guys at, at the locally at St. Rose and Donovan and Red Bank and so on can make great decisions and make your schools what the kids need to, to be successful in the communities they're in.
0: And that's one of the great things I think about St. Rose. Like, I've had so many opportunities just alone through the school being a Catholic school that um, has allowed me to essentially, like, reach the heights I need to go, especially for when I go to college next year, like – uh, there are certain lessons I have learned coming to St. Rose specifically as a Catholic school that ha- will always be with me. Like, there's some those are things I might not learn at a public school.
2: Right. Well, when, when I went to a Jesuit high school myself, and, and the Jesuits have a, a motto called Men for Others, I went to an all-boys school. Uh, I, you know, if, I, if you have a co-ed Jesuit school, I'm sure it's People for Others or just for others. And that's something that I really believe. Every single day, and that's how I live my life. Every single day, and even with Saint Vincent de Paul, who is my patron saint, and and obviously our bishops of incension, talk about servant learner, servant leadership, servant, you know, for others. Vincent de Paul is the greatest example. He's he's a patron saint of the poor, right? Of given to the poor. So between four others from Ignatius Iola, who was my Jesuit upbringing, and Vincent de Paul, who is my patron saint and who my mother, you know read me stories about as a baby and as I studied him as I got older in college and got my doctorate and so forth, uh, reading about Vincent de Paul, studying about Vincent de Paul. Those two kind of came together to kind of, uh, not kind of, that did form, you know, how I approach it. And that was that was loud and clear in my Jesuit. I went to Jesuit high school. I went to Jesuit university. I went to Jesuit grad school. I mean, that, that four others mantra and, and being a servant to others, I think is really important. And I think our kids they may not say it in so many words and i i didn't say it so eloquently but i think our, our if you go to any of the catholic schools and you see what they do in their schools they're putting others first and i think that's that's kind of the essence of what our catholic schools do every everybody knows two plus two is four right we get that it's the catholic part that puts them over the hump that makes them diff- that makes a difference yeah.
1: um so kind of looking at that and looking at the even in the past There were so many more Catholic schools when even probably when you were young. Um, Why do you think there are quite a few fewer Catholic schools now than there was even 20 or 30 years ago? And then kind of with that, um, what what do you think are the challenges ahead for Catholic schools?
2: We're losing Catholic schools nationally because there aren't as many people that are willing to invest their money in that education and the cost of Catholic education is, is 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 higher than public school obviously. Public school is free, Catholics are higher. And people are making a decision. Do I want to go to that Disney vacation or do I want to send my kid to Catholic school? Do I want a new car this year or do I want to send my kid to Catholic school? And every time you raise tuition a dollar, you have the potential of losing a kid. And that's that's not good. But the dynamic of, of the funding model, and it's kind of getting into the economics, but you asked a, I mean, a, a, a tough question, so I'll give you a, a real answer. Um, the economics are such that 30 years ago, definitely 50, 75 years ago, the schools were run by nuns and priests who didn't collect a traditional salary and didn't have a traditional health care issues and so forth. So if you had half of your staff or all of your staff way back when, but half of your staff maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and, and less and less and less and less, you have to replace the people who were you know, doing this as part of their, their mission of, of, of their vocation as priests and nuns and brothers to people who have families and need healthcare and need, need to be able to afford a house and they don't live in a community like a convent, they have their own house down on Main Street, right? You have to pay for that. So the salary structure has completely changed in the last 40 years, completely changed. Uh, At St. Rose, I don't know how many religious you have serving the school as teachers, but I guarantee you it's noticeably less than it was when the school was founded. So obviously that dynamic has has shifted and changed. So because of that, costs go up and healthcare is crazy and heating and cooling and air conditioning and heat and water and sewer and electric and all that that stuff just goes up and, and you gotta pay for it, right? And because less people go to church on Sunday, that means there's less money in the basket on Sunday. So the church, so the parishes have less money to help with the schools, which is one of their missions, right? So the, there's it's a cost structure, and because the costs go up, but there's less money to pay for it. And every time you raise tuition, people are like, ah, I, I, it's just getting too much. I, I just I'm gonna save my money, or I'm gonna save it for college, or I'm gonna whatever, um, take a nicer vacation then that's potentially an opportunity for us to lose a kid or lose a family from our Catholic schools, which is not what anybody wants. The good news is our school buildings may be less than they were 2, 3, 5, you know, 10, 15, 25 years ago, but our enrollment actually went up this year, and some of that's because of COVID, because we have more kids coming to our schools because our schools stayed open uh, and were available to kids. So, and, and I think once we get a kid who comes to our school, regardless of whether they're in first grade or eighth grade or sophomore year, once they feel and taste what a Catholic school is all about, I think we'll keep them because our schools are amazing. Uh, I always say, you know, how do you get more kids in a Catholic school? Bottle up Catholic school and give it to them to drink, and say, here, drink this. And once you taste it and you feel it and you know it, then you'll want more of it, and you want to, you'll want to, you want to stay in our schools. So, I think that's, I think that's, uh, I think that's something that I have very a high level of confidence in, that our schools, because of the kids who've come to us who otherwise were in public school because of the COVID, I think our schools will hopefully continue to continue to shoot up.
0: So you kind of touched on what my next question was going to be with uh, what are some of the things you want to see Catholic schools in our diocese to do to attract more students and faculty? Is there anything else besides like just getting them and keeping them essentially that you want to like have our diocese do? I'll
2: I'll tell you, I'll tell you a crazy number. Um, Our Catholic schools if our graduates last year in Catholic schools, okay? Mm-hmm. I think the number, and it's on the, it's on the sheet that I gave, the, spread, the snapshot that I sent out. I want to say it was approaching $400 million in offered scholarships to our students. So if you look at it and you say, well, gee, grade school is cheaper than high school. College is more expensive than high school. And I invest in my kids' high school enrollment in tuition, and they could get, you know, $200,000 in scholarship offers, average, not every kid, but average, well, that's a pretty good investment. You know, if I spend $40,000 total in tuition, $10,000, I'll just say $10,000 a year at the high school. If I spend $10,000 a year in high school and I spend, so that means $40,000 over four years, but I get one hundred and twenty, or one hundred and eighty, or $220,000 in scholarship offer. That's pretty good that's a pretty good rate of a return, right? Return on your investment. So I think one of the things that we we have to promote is the fact that not only are our kids Catholic and, 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 and that's good. And they get good grades, so they're pretty smart and, and that's good. And they get into the colleges and their and their specified choices for, for the next step of their life, which is very good. I think if we put all those things together, I think, I think we have a pretty compelling package. I think we, we present a pretty good opportunity. And because our schools are a little bit smaller than the public schools, if your kid wants to play a sport, they're going to in our schools. If your kid wants to be in arts and theater, they can do that in our schools. You know, If you're in a school of 2,000 kids, there's still only 50 spots on a football team, right? So what are your chances of playing football at a 2,000-kid school versus a chance of playing at a 400 kids school? right? It's a little bit, it's a little bit better for them. So, and I, I just use football as an example, it'd be anything, be it the theater, it'd be the tennis team, it'd be, you know, the the, the video, I mean, you know, if, if this if this video podcast that you're doing was at a public school, there might, instead of hosting it every week, you may only could host it once a month, because there's, you know, four other people that want to do it, you know, in addition to you. So it's just the opportunities that we have here in our Catholic schools are, are so great and so wonderful. And I'm just, I have great opportunity and great optimism about where this where this will be in the future.
1: If someone is thinking about Catholic schools, why should they make the leap? I mean, I know in our experience we love it, so we could easily say, "Well, we have amazing friends, we do theater, and all of that." But like from your standpoint, why should someone take the leap and be in a Catholic school?
2: I can get real philosophical about this, and I and I don't mean to, to bore you, and I hope I don't. I don't want to sound like a a Bible thumper, but I already spoke about opportunities for sports opportunities for arts. you brought up the you know the great friends who are who are good kids right I mean not not knucklehead kids you got great kids in Catholic schools so your friends will be good kids too you can assume right So all those great things happen. you can live your faith. We already talked about that. you can be a good servant you can you can you can live the right way, right. I think that's all are great, but here's where it gets philosophical. If you're living your faith and you're working in your faith and you're learning about your faith and you're deeper in your faith, ultimately, what does that mean? It means you're going to go to heaven. And although Earth is a wonderful place with, you know great things here, heaven's even better. And I think people want to get there, and I think people ought to want to get there, and I think people strive to get there. So you know we 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 have we have these wonderful mission statements on all of our schools. If you come to the school, we promote great citizenship and Catholic faith and high academics. And we we could have you know on the on the on the on the mission statement that's right by your front door. You know, it could have nine lines and forty-five words, and you know, it says all this great stuff about being a great citizen and a great catholic and a great academic and you know all these wonderful things in your mission statement i think i can boil it down to like eight words i think i can boil it down to about eight words get um to succeed get um to heaven it's pretty simple what i mean why are we here why is our here why is our school here i think if you're in a public school it's four words get um to succeed in our Catholic schools, I'm going to add four words: "get' to heaven." So for all the things you do, for all the things you you know all the studying you do and all the work you do in our schools, the combination of your parents and the teachers and yourselves and your coaches and your, and your different moderators of your different organizations, I think they all come together to promote for a particular student, one student, that they're going to maximize their potential in the classroom, on the field, in the theater in the classroom, in the field, in the theater, every single day. Which ultimately leads them to living good, f- full lives, which, if they're doing it right, gets them to heaven at the end of the day. Pretty much, pretty simple. I'm like a super simple guy. I don't, I don't try to get you real f- lots of theories and, and, and deep, you know, deep philosoph. Pretty simple. Do a good job, great results. Do a good job at school, you'll succeed. You get, if you're in a catholic school you'll succeed and you'll go to heaven. Boom, done.
0: I think that's like a perfect ending note kind of thing, but I have one question. So we were reading your bio and we're intrigued with your involvement with special needs communities and having your own nonprofit that provides tennis instruction in cities across the country. Correct. What's that about?
2: Well, like I said, I used to be a I I tried to be a professional tennis player. <laughs> Success. Um, but I was a coach and that was that was pretty successful and I actually coached some guys and worked with some guys that were um, really, I mean, really good. I mean, they were four in the world. They won a Grand Slam, uh, and 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 did some really special things. And when my son was born, <coughs> who has Down syndrome, uh, they called me up. He was a, we were in the hospital. We were in the intensive care unit because he wasn't doing so well at the beginning. And they said, "We've got this fixed. we we're take, we got you all taken care of." We we called Andrea Agassi, who at the time, way before you were born, was a really important tennis player. I mean we're calling we're trying to find Boris Becker, who again was before your time, but again was a pretty important tennis player. They're gonna come to St. Louis, we're gonna put on a big event, we're gonna raise a lot of money and and your son will be taken care of. We promise you, coach, we got you all taken mm-hmm. care of. And if you know anything about Down syndrome, it's a genetic defect. It's not a it's not something that, you know, it's not like you can transplant it or transfuse it and have it fixed. So I said, Boys, thank you very much. Tell Andre, I said, Thank you, but we don't need a we don't need an event. We don't need to raise a lot of money. And I didn't know what we would do, but I had a feeling we'd do something, but I didn't know what. So that was, he was born in April. That Thanksgiving, I was down in Atlanta, uh, training and working and, and training up these, these athletes. And we were actually sitting in a Wendy's in Alpharetta, Georgia, I'll never forget it. And we were sitting there and I was eating a Frosty and he was eating French fries. And I said something like, the place we were working out at was a really fancy-dancy academy, you know, tennis academy. And they had kids there and pros there and all kinds of people there. I said, you know what? I said to Luke Jensen, who was the guy that I was coaching, I said, you're number four in the world. Pretty good player. I said, you can train at that club called the Atlantic Athletic Club or whatever it was. I was pretty good. I could play there. My oldest son, who at the time was four or five, I said, if he got really good, he could train there. But my youngest son, Jonas, at the time, no matter how great a kid he is, he would never be able to play in a place like that. And I said, Doc, you're right. Let's go. Let's do that. So that's where it started. So we started a program, and we thought we'd do it in St. Louis, and people from all over the country and maybe the world would come to us there. But nobody wants to come to St. Louis from Germany or St. Lu- or from Los Angeles or something to spend a week in St. Louis. So we decided to take the show on the road. So we have a bunch of cities all over, and some cities we started and then we we gave it back to them because once we started it they they ran with it and they because I can't be in every city every day so if there's somebody in let's say Cincinnati that brought us in and said this is awesome can we continue without you but yeah please go ahead so we've we started a bunch of com- a bunch of not companies but a bunch of other organizations if you will to do tennis for kids with special needs we also have a dance academy that we started so we have a bunch of different things that we did i wrote the curriculum Uh, for tennis, but I also made it malleable enough so we can do other sports with it. So it's actually becoming something kind of big. We have about 3,500 kids around the country that we work with. Um, I've coached in different parts of the world, different parts of different countries, uh, just training coaches how to train kids with special needs because obviously I can't train every kid in the world. I wish I could, but I have a day job. So we go all over the country and we train uh, coaches and athletes with special needs with Down syndrome. How to, um, how, to, how to play tennis. And that's that's kind of my, my side hustle or my hobby hustle, if you want to call it that. Um, it doesn't make any money, but it, it's, it's just because strictly for the love of the game, it was so good to me. It's allowed me to go all over the world and work with players. You, names you recognize are people that I've coached and worked with. And um, it's been wonderful. It's been really, really great. I've met a ton of people that have changed my life.
0: Well, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing with us about your son and like. Well, thank you. And that really just touched me honestly because me I too. want to help I want to help p- kids with special needs when I am in my future. That's like one of the career paths I want to take. So, hearing <laughs> yeah, yeah. that empowered me even more to well, what I want to do in my future. It
2: never in a million years <laughs> did I think I was going to have a kid with special needs. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Lord gave me a wonderful gift, and I don't know that I'm any different than anybody else in having a kid with special needs other than I did work in education so I knew a little bit about like curriculum and what his needs might be but you'll never know what you can do until you are faced with it and provided you don't run from it and you embrace it you're in in my case I didn't change the world but there's 3,500 kids who are playing athlete or who are athletes now who weren't athletes before my son was born so my little portion of the world is 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 good Watch, tell them the one about penguins. Why penguins they don't have COVID? Why don't penguins have COVID?
1: Why? Why?
2: Because they're in isolation. They're in isolation. (laughs) That was...
1: That that made my day.
2: That was a pretty good one.
1: Um, If you'd like to learn more about St. Rose High School or Catholic schools in general, please visit our website um, at strosehighschoolnj.com and click admissions. Our Director of Enrollment, Mrs. Tallarico, would love to hear from you. Dr. Schmidt, thank you very much for your time and for making a little time in your busy schedule for us.
2: Happy to do Um, it. I love being up here.
1: Mm -hmm. Please like and subscribe
0: to our show wherever you get your podcasts so you're notified of future episodes. Thank you for listening to the Power Potential Podcast.
2: Thank you for asking me to to be a part of this. It was fun. If if you ever want to ask other questions or have any questions or anything. Just let us know. All right. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you for listening to this episode of the Power of Potential podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Subscribe to hear past and future episodes. Learn more about St. Rose by visiting our website at srhsnj.com.